Would you please stand and sing with us this morning? Good morning and welcome to Southfield. I'm glad you're here. It's great to to worship with you. Um, I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I hope you had a chance to to be able to just stop and um, celebrate all the things that God has done for you and to celebrate him. And in celebrating Thanksgiving, you may have found yourself surrounded. Maybe you shared a meal with some unbelievers or you stood in line on a Friday morning next to some. But maybe you had an opportunity to declare that you are God's. And if you didn't this weekend, I'm pretty certain that you'll uh, have an opportunity sometimes. And we need to be proud and we need to have courage to stand up and declare that we are God's children. Because he won't hesitate to claim us as his own.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for being ours. 
Lord, we thank you that you have claimed us as your own. And Father, we just, we know that you're standing there with your arms wide open because we know that as we draw close to you, you draw close to us. You never turn your back on us. You don't run away and hide, but you're there waiting for us. And your arms are open right now. Your hands are empty to receive everything that we can just surrender to you and hand over to you. And God, that includes the pieces. Father, sometimes we are just so broken and we just hand you the pieces. And Lord, we ask that you would fix them. Lord, we're tired of carrying that burden of trying to put everything back together. And we know that you never intended for us to take on that that burden or that responsibility. And so we just hand you everything. We hand you our expectations. We hand you our fears, our failures. We hand you our dreams. We hand you everything, Lord God. And we just ask that your will would be done in our lives. Lord, we know that your plans and your your ways are so much higher than ours. And so that's why we hand them over to you because we know that you're not going to destroy us. We know that you're not going to hurt us. We know, Father, that you have great plans for our lives that are made out of love. And so we can just surrender everything to you. Holy Spirit, come into this place. Wake us up. Show us, guide us, lead us. We know that you've been sent here to be our helper. And sometimes we mute you, we ignore you. We turn away from you. We know that you're always there, but we're listening right now. And we ask that you would open our eyes and wake us up to things that we know we need to be aware of. We want our life to be exciting. We want our our plan and our purpose to be just amazing for God. And so we don't want to walk through life asleep. So wake us up.
Thank you for this day and for this time that we can come together and hear hear from your word, Lord, and hear um, from Dennis, who you're speaking through, Lord God. I pray that um, we are primed and ready to receive what you have to say to us today. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Hey, it's great to see you today on this, uh, what is known as the first Sunday after Turkey. And you all survived it and did well, and you've been doing aerobics ever since, right? And you're feeling nice and energized and ready to go today. Uh, as you walked in, you received a folder, a bulletin. If you would take that out right now on the inside, there's a card. We always appreciate it if you go ahead and uh, fill out as much of that card as you want to. If it's your first time with us, uh, if you just give us whatever information you're comfortable giving on your way out, we have a gift for you uh, on the table, as you're leaving the doors, there's a, a book by Andy Stanley called How Good is Good Enough, and we'd love for you to take one of those as a gift today. If you look at your folder, it's a little different than normal on the back side where you'd normally have space for notes. Uh, we have listed there the items going along with the, the Christmas project that we're doing. What we're hoping to do is place a, a nice basket in every teacher's classroom in this school. A way of saying thanks to them for teaching, but also thanks to them for especially a few of them who allow us to disrupt their classrooms and then their universe and, and be able to go ahead and worship in here on Sundays. So you see a sample of the basket on the table as you're leaving. These are the items that we're looking to put in them. You can get any of them that you want and just bring them with you. And on the 16th, these will all be assembled by some people during the service and then placed uh, in the classrooms throughout. If you decide right now that, you know, you are just in an anti-shopping mood, and believe me, I can understand that. If some of you Black Friday, you may not be shopping again till March. Uh, so if you want to, instead, on the inside of your giving envelope, there's a, there's a slot there called Other, and you can just write the word basket. And if you want to give toward uh, the baskets instead, uh, toward supplies that can be purchased, feel free to do that. On Thanksgiving Day, I was looking through some... Uh, blogs that I follow, and I came across one that, that had a story that I suspect I've heard at some point in my life, but I forgot, and one that I needed to hear right now. You know how that happens sometimes. You'll, you'll have heard something in the past, but where you are at this particular moment, it speaks to you in a different way. Story of a woman named Corrie Ten Boom. You may be familiar with her story. Uh, she was taken captive by the Germans and put in a Nazi concentration camp at Ravensbrück. She was there along with her sister, Betsy. And the story is that the camp was terribly overcrowded and it was infested with fleas. I don't know if any of you have ever had to deal with fleas in your home. It's unpleasant in a home. It's unbearable when you're in a prison camp. Uh, Somehow, God had miraculously provided for them and they were able to smuggle a Bible into the camp. And as they were reading that Bible, they came across the verses that remind us that we're to give thanks in every situation, no matter what we're facing. Well, Corey's sister, Betsy, decided that this meant that they were supposed to give thanks to God for the fleas. Corey couldn't bring herself to do it. She thought it was crazy. How in the world can you thank God for for fleas? But her sister, Betsy, insisted, and so there came a point that Corey actually gave in and prayed to God, thanking him for the fleas in the barracks. Over the next several months, 
uh, something curious and yet wonderful happened in that place. They found that the guards never came into their barracks. And there were two great things that came from that. One, none of the women were being assaulted by the guards in the barracks. But further, it meant that they could do the unthinkable. They were able to hold Bible studies and prayer meetings right there in the open in, of all places, a Nazi concentration camp. Through this, countless women came to faith in Jesus Christ. Only in the end of their ordeal did they discover why the guards would not come into the barracks. You know why? The fleas. They didn't want the fleas on them. Can you imagine that actually that prayer of thanks to God was a thanks that was rewarded because through something as simple as a flea, they were protected and they were able to spread the gospel. Which then had me thinking about the fleas in my life and maybe you're doing the same thing. The pests, the annoyances, the bugs that you think, my life would be so much better if I just didn't have to deal with Go ahead and fill in the blank. Whatever it is right now, whatever you're going through, you're thinking, my life would be so much better without this. Is it possible? Is it possible that in giving thanks for that, that's the very flea that God wants to use in your life to bring about something amazing? I promise you it is not an easy prayer to pray, to trust God with gratitude over something in your life that you would rather squash like a bug. But when you feel the challenge, when you feel like you just can't pray for the thing that's bothering you, remember the fleas of Ravensbrook and always thank God anyway. Always thank God anyway. Let's talk to him again. Now, Father, we come into your presence and... um, We give you thanks for our fleas. We'll just allow you a moment of silence to pray to God, thanking him for something in your life that you'd rather have removed, but you're going to thank God anyway. These annoyances, these frustrations, these relationships that clash, all the things in our life that we would rather see gone, you say in the book of James that we should consider it joy whenever we face trials of any kind. And that includes the fleas. And so, God, we thank you for all the aspects of our life, not just the ones that make us smile, but the ones that furrow our brow as well. We thank you so much for everything you do for us, knowing that it is so true that you bring everything together in our lives for your good purposes. In Jesus' name, amen. We're coming down to the end of this series today, Discovering God Through Your Sacred Pathway, and we've been specifically talking about prayer, the concept that when we come close to God, God comes close to us. God actually draws close to us. I wonder, as you've read that truth week after week, is it starting to seep in? Are you actually at a point of believing that if you will take the effort to draw close to God, particularly through prayer, if you'll take the effort to draw close to God, God will draw close to you. Jesus very very simply taught us how we, as human beings, can draw close to God with a prayer that's familiar to a lot of people. It's found in Matthew chapter 6 starting with verse 9 through verse 13. Jesus started by saying, this then is how you should pray. And you may be familiar with these words. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, this is not just meant to be a mindless recitation that we just say over and over again without thinking. But you can actually say these exact words and fill them with meaning, own them personally, and they can have great value in our lives. One of the things people have pointed out throughout the years is this this simple prayer really serves as an outline for a broader prayer that we might pray. And in fact, as you look at the terms we've used about praying, connecting and 
coming clean and clear focus, you find all of them right here in this prayer. Connecting, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus starts his prayer by reminding himself that he's in the presence of his Father. And we need that as well. That we don't just come rushing into God's throne room and start, start throwing requests out. But that we're spending time connecting with God, adoring him, being reminded of his character, reminding ourselves of, of who he is and how he works in our lives. If you go down to the ending, forgive us our debts or our sins. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is coming clean when we spend time in confession, asking God for forgiveness of our sins, but further, confession of truth. We need both, not just asking God to forgive us, but to be reminded of what truth is and to allow that to seep into our minds and our hearts. Then we come to the part we're going to talk about today, which is clear focus. And that goes with the words, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We've said it many times in this series. For most of us, prayer comes down to walking into God's presence and handing him a list. God, I want this. I need this. Will you fix this? Will you change this? But if you look at the prayer of Jesus, what we're supposed to be doing is walking into God's presence and asking, God, what do you want? Not here's what I want, but what do you want? What are your desires? What is your will? We're filling our minds consciously with the presence of God, that he's there all the time. And so we live with that clear focus all the time. Transformative prayer is prayer that changes me. It makes me more like Jesus. It's not a prayer that simply looks to change other things or change other people, but I'm looking to be changed as I encounter God. How does this kind of prayer change me? What does it do? What are the changes it brings about? Well, first of all, it challenges my attention. I don't know about you. It's easy for me to get fixed on things that are trivial, to pay attention to things that don't matter. But when I come into God's presence and our Father in heaven. I, I pay attention to who he is. Now my mind is paying attention to the fact that he's always there. And throughout my day, I'm much more conscious of the action of God in my life. It clears my head. This is what truth does. As truth seeps into our minds, we're thinking about what God says instead of what our emotions might say or what our circumstances might say. Most of us decide who God is based on the things that have happened in our life. If bad things have happened, God must be bad. But instead, we need to look at the truth of Scripture and find out who God is. And that truth rewires my thinking. Obviously, confession cleanses my heart. It, it, it removes that, that sin that is blocking my friendship with God. It also calms my spirit. Like we said before, Peter steps out of that boat. And he steps out and he's walking on water. And the Bible tells us as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus' face, he didn't sink. But the second he paid attention to the waves, he started to go under. The same is true for us. We can look at the waves in our life and feel overwhelmed. Or we can keep our eyes on Jesus and actually have great calm in our spirit in the middle of tremendous storms. The final thing it does, it calls me to pursue God's desires. And that's really what we're going to focus on today. As we're talking about clear focus throughout my prayer time, I want to be asking, God, what do you want? Not here's what I want from you, but God, what do you want from me? All of this prayer is supposed to be changing me. We've mentioned Romans 12 too several times. I'm going to show you a little bit different translation. I love it. He says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. That's what so many people are doing these days. They're watching whatever the media pours at them and saying, well, that's normal. That's what normal is supposed to be. And Paul through the Spirit, is saying, don't just become adjusted to whatever your culture says is normal. Don't fit in without thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. That's what transformative prayer does. It focuses in on God. And by that, you'll be changed from the inside out. So we've looked at these three movements in this prayer, just like a symphony, different movements. Our praying should have different movements. We start with connecting. Spending some time, whether it's uh, like we taught, praying the sevens or doing something else, 
that gets your mind focused on who God is, praising him, adoring him, spending time becoming aware of his presence, then coming clean, confessing our sin as well as confessing truth. Today we'll move to clear focus. This is, this is the final movement of a focused time of prayer. What do you do during clear focus? What happens? Well, first of all, clear focus aligns my heart with God's desires. What I'm doing when I'm praying is asking God, God, what do you want? I'm asking God for guidance and direction in my day. Again, I'm not rushing in and saying, God, this is my plan. I'm coming and saying, you're in charge. What do you want? Now, I want you to think for a moment about your identity in Christ, who you are and what the Bible says about you, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us at least three things about our identity. First of all, it says every one of us are called. If I'm a, if I'm a child of God, I am called. Ephesians 4.1 says, Therefore I, a prisoner, for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. That's not just a calling that comes to a pastor or a missionary, to vocational ministry. God is a call on every one of our lives. If God has called us to something, we need to be asking him, what do you want? What are your desires? Further, we read in the Bible that we are God's servants, or more appropriately, we are God's slaves. Ephesians 6, 6b to 7 says, As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Slaves don't get to choose what they want to do. Slaves are at the mercy of their master. We are slaves of Christ. We're at the mercy of our master. And so we ask Jesus, what is it you desire for my day? What do you want done in this world today through me? Further, we know of our identity that we're not only servants, but we're followers. I am a follower of Jesus, and hopefully you are as well. Colossians 2.6 says, And now, just as you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. And so we need to be asking him, what are the steps you want me to take? What direction are you calling me to take in this particular day? You know, when Jesus was on this earth in his times of prayer, he prayed to God so that he would understand what God's desires and God's will was for his life. He didn't come to God and say, God, this is what I want to do today. He came to God and said, God, what is it that you desire? We see in John chapter 4, verse 34, that Jesus said, My food, the thing that sustains me, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Says that's what my life is about. I'm here to do the will of God. A little further in John 6, 38, he says, I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Very practically at the end of his life. In Matthew chapter 26, we read that Jesus was about to go to the cross and he knows he's about to die. And he goes off to Gethsemane to pray. And he prays with such intensity that drops of blood come from his forehead. And as he's praying, this is what he prays. My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Imagine this for a moment. Jesus, the human part of Jesus is saying, I don't want to die. I don't want to die this way. I don't want to go through the physical suffering. I don't want to go through the spiritual suffering. I don't want to be disconnected from you, separated from you, Father. And he's praying, God, if there's another way, let it be done. But if it's your will, let your will be done and not mine. Are you willing to do that in your life? Are you willing to come to God and say, God, I'm going through some misery right now. I would prefer it go away, but I want what you want, not what I want. That's what we do when, when we're gaining clear focus. We're saying, God, what's your direction? What's your agenda? What's your desire with my life? We know that Jesus didn't just pray this once. A second time he came and said, My father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. And even a third time, he prayed the same thing. And then he went and woke up his disciples and acknowledged what God's will was. The betrayer is coming. I'm about to be killed. 
let's go. During his time of prayer, he was complying with the desires of God. Clear focus will bring us into alignment, our hearts into alignment with God's desires. Are you willing to do that, to spend time with God saying, God, what do you want? I don't want to beat it to death, but most of us believe prayer is about coming to say, God, this is what I want. But real prayer is saying, God, what do you want? Second part of clear focus, it seeks God's direction rather than seeking a blessing on my agenda. I don't know if you've ever read the book by um, Henry Blackaby called Experiencing God. The main premise of the book was this. He said, how different would the world be if we prayed before we made our plans rather than asking God to bless what we've already decided to do? I mean, I think we do this in the right spirit and with real sincerity, but we decide, God, I've got some great things I could do for you. Now throw a blessing on it so I can go do it. And instead, God's saying, no, I've got an agenda. I've got a plan. And if you'll listen to me, Uh, We can actually fulfill, God says, my desires, not yours. How different would the world be if we prayed before we made our plans rather than asking God to simply bless what we want to do? Clear focus focuses on seeking God's direction rather than him simply blessing my agenda. So let me give you some elements of how you can experience the clear focus part of your prayer. In every one of these, we've tried to give you different things that you can use, tools that you can use to pray. And on December 10th at the warehouse from 7 to 9, we'll offer a a further seminar just showing you some of the tools you can use that you can be aided in in transformative prayer and, and doing that better. But the three tools that I find really helpful is to dwell on life verses, to pray through the roles God has given me in my life, And to reflect on some prayerful statements. So let's start with dwell on life verses. Don't shout them out. Are there any verses that really mean a lot to you? Verses that when you think about it, they they have really, they've guided your life. I mean, they're verses that have almost become part part of your philosophy of life. You live by them. I have uh, two half sheets of paper that are filled with different life verses, verses that have meant a lot to me. The first three come from Joshua, and they all have that idea of be strong and courageous. Because I don't know about you, even though I'm generally a gutsy guy, in this world, it's easy to be a coward. In this world, it's easy to be quiet. In this world, it's easy to want to just go along. I'm encouraged by the fact that even the Apostle Paul, who I view to be a pretty gutsy dude, said, pray that I will be bold. And so I start out by praying, God, help me to be bold. Help me to be courageous. I pray a couple of passages from the Psalms that talk about waiting on God because I tend to want to get things done instead of just coming into the presence of God and saying, I'm waiting on you to be the one to act. I know that in waiting on you, Isaiah says, my strength will be renewed. Um, I pray the verse from Zechariah as well as John 15 that talk about the fact that nothing gets accomplished by my own might. It's by God's might. It's by God's spirit. And I need to be reminded that I'm not to be independent or self-dependent, but I need to be dependent on God. Several of the verses talk about just continuing to do what is good, to not grow weary, to not give up, because the reward will come if we keep pushing toward that. So these are verses I've chosen for me. Only ver- oh, you can only know the verses that, that really cause you to say, this, this is who I believe God wants me to be. But I bring those verses back time and time again and just pray through them that God will grow me in them. One of the things that someone suggested recently that I really love, guy said he took the, the fruit of the Spirit and has actually worked through them over nine years. He's taken one aspect of the fruit of the Spirit every year and just focused on seeing his character form in that particular area. I thought, wow, that was pretty incredible. When I talked to him, he was actually in the ninth of the nine years, and he's about to go ahead and do it all over again. So the first of the fruit of the Spirit is love. 
And he'd look through the Bible and see all the places that talk about how to be loving, how not to be loving, and he worked through those that way. I decided to take on the same thing. I don't know if I'll be able to do it for nine years, but I'm, I'm at least focusing on this year. And the one I jumped down to, rather than doing love, was going down to gentleness. I want to grow in gentleness. And so I have a number of verses that talk about what does it mean to be a person that's on one hand courageous and bold, and on the other hand, gentle and kind, and trying to see God grow that in my life. So using life verses helps. Also dwelling on uh, the roles that God has given us in life. You have roles. You're a Christ follower. It's possible you're a spouse or you're a parent. Maybe you're a grandparent. Maybe you're a great-grandparent. Maybe you're a great-great-grandparent. Lots of luck. You know, you've got those things going on. Uh, Maybe you work. And so you have work roles. Maybe you're a student. You have student roles. There are different roles that God has given you in life. I like to pray through the roles he's given me. And so I've worked through this for years, just having the different roles listed and then aspects of them that I'll literally pray through each day and say, God, help me to be a better leader. Help me when I'm at work to do the best that I can. Help me to be a great friend. Help me in my relationship with lost people. And using each of those to remind me of things that I need to be praying about. Now, for me, when I'm working through those roles, I've had a tendency about every decade to come back and review them and revise them. Because I realize each decade things change. For example, for me, I believe in the next decade, as far as my family is concerned, I won't just be a a spouse and a parent, but the grandpa thing might happen too. And so that's something that's coming in this coming decade. So I adjust them according to the decades and work through them. So I'm in the middle of those one woes right now because I'm at a decade birthday. I'm going to be 30. And so um, <clears throat> plus a little. So as I've been working through them, I thought maybe I won't do all the rules. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll go with something simpler because I forget things these days. So the four I've come up with are live well, love well, lead well, leave well. And these are kind of the four roles that I'm focusing on these days. Live well is obviously, live well as a Christ follower. Do my best at work. All those things that will fall out of that. Love well, how am I as a friend? How am I as a spouse? How am I doing as a parent? As whatever other roles God brings into my life. Lead well seems obvious. What's leave well? Well, for me on this one, I'm looking at where our world is and where I am in my stage of life and realizing that 2 Timothy 2, 2 commands us to take what we've learned and pass it on to others who will be faithful in transmitting it to others as well. And I look at our own culture right now. I mean, we are just flatly, even though we're sitting here today and we're doing all right, we're flatly post, we're post-Christian as a culture. There are a lot of people that have no Christian memory whatsoever. And we need to be the people that are aware that we've got a huge task of making sure that we take what we know and pass it on to the next generation who will be able to take and pass it on to the next. So that, that for me, as I come to this decade, I'm going, this is, a, this, is a, this is a shift for me. This is an important piece of what I'll be doing uh, in my life in the next decade. So praying through my roles, I've just found that to be a really helpful way to get clear focus. And I don't, I don't pray on every one every day. It seems like God will usually draw something out and cause me to pay more attention to one than to another. The final one was to focus or reflect on prayerful statements. Again, these may be different for you than they are for me. But I have different quotes and different classic prayers that I use, not necessarily to just read them and move on to the next one, but they're prompts that push me into deeper aspects of prayer. One of them that I I pray nearly every day is one that a lot of you are familiar with. It's called the serenity prayer. It says, God, grant me, grant me the serenity. Serenity is um, to be unaffected by disturbances, to be calm, to be unruffled. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. I don't need to go any further. There I am because I don't like to accept things I can't change. I like to fix it. Can I actually say, God, it's your job to fix it? I'll just sit back and watch. That's tough prayer. The courage to change the things I can't. Generally, I don't have courage issues, but maybe for you, you know, your knees just knock at the thought of confronting something or someone. 
And so you're praying, God, I, I need the courage to change the things I can. And then there's the wisdom to know the difference. Because sometimes I think I should do something and I shouldn't. And sometimes I think I should sit back and I shouldn't. And so I need that wisdom. So this part of the prayer is valuable. And it's the part everybody knows. But do you know the next part of the prayer? The next part of the prayer is where God whacks me in the head all the time. Living life one day at a time. Enjoying one moment at a time. Now, I usually, when I'm praying, I walk and pray. Every time I come to that line, I stop dead in my tracks, and I do a full circle. I just stop, and I look at everything that's around me, and I take in that moment. And I say, God, what can you teach me in, that mo- in this moment? And I'll tell you, one morning I'm doing this, and here's what I realized. I'm, I'm, the canal's on this side. The woods is on this side. Here's the path on either side. As I'm turning, I realize everything's always moving. I mean, it wasn't a particularly windy day. The leaves were moving a little bit. The grass was moving a little bit. There was a little ripple on the water. The birds were flitting around, and everything's always moving. And, you know, I, I don't know why. Along the line, I developed this, this myth in my head that if everything could just stop for a minute, I could fix everything, and then we could start again. If life just had a pause button. It doesn't have a pause button. Even the leaves don't stop. Even the waves don't stop. Everything is moving all the time. Here at this moment, God gave me this, this insight that I'm like, wow, I need to take that with me. Look at the next line. Accepting hardships is the pathway to peace. Most of us have a, have a philosophy of life that says, avoid hardships as much as you can. What does James say? He says, look at the trials and welcome them as friends. He says, thank God for the fleas. Accepting hardships is the pathway to peace. Taking, as Jesus did, the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. I can't stand that line. And I pray it over and over. Trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will. God, am I fully surrendered to you today? Or are there still parts that I'm holding out for me? That I may be reasonably happy in this life. I love that line because I will never be completely happy in this life. Ever, 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 ever. As long as there is sin, as long as there is death, as long as there are problems, I will never be completely happy in this life. But I can be reasonably happy. And supremely happy with him forever in the next. And I love that because it always reminds me that this is not all there is. That heaven's coming. And with that, I can say amen. So, a lot of times it seems like God will just pop a line out. There will be a line. And I'm like, that's where I am today. And that's what I'm praying through as I'm trying to gain clear focus. I love this one in just living well. By God's grace, I need to depend on Christ rather than struggle with my inadequacies. How many times do you come to God and tell him all the things that are wrong with you? I do it. I just give him the laundry list like he doesn't know already. Here's my mess, God. How about this instead? Focusing on the ways that Christ is sufficient instead of the ways that I am broken. What does the Bible say? In our weakness, God is made strong. We think it's our strengths that God says, Oh, look at you. You're so good. Now I found a usable spot. In our weakness, in our brokenness, that's where Christ is made strong. So move on to love well. This quote kills me. By C.S. Lewis. I've been praying it for months. To love it all is to be vulnerable. I don't like that line. To love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. Have you had that experience? That you put your heart out there and somebody took it and used it as a doormat? Somebody flung it up against the wall and you saw it squish and land? You know, we've gone through a lot of brokenness when we make ourselves vulnerable to other people. So what are we tempted to do? That's it. No more friends. No more relationships. I'm just buying a hamster, and it's going to be the two of us, and we're going to be happy, right? If you want to make sure of keeping your heart intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Have you known people like this? Life for them is about doing little stuff. But don't get close to people. People hurt you. People, it hurts too much. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, and airless, your heart will change. It's not going to be broken. Congratulations, you got your goal. It'll become unbreakable 
impenetrable and irredeemable. I read that last line and I'm like, okay, I hate being vulnerable and I hate the idea of a frozen heart. Which do I hate more? Which do I want more? This really helps me to think about what it means to love well. How about leading well? I love this uh, set of sentences. It just says opportunities. The eyes to see them. God help me to see the opportunities that are before me. The desire to go after them. The strength to pursue them. The enthusiasm to get others to join in. And the tenacity to see it through. God has used those five lines in more ways than I can tell you to wake me up and say, wow, I I needed to hear what you had to say, God. I needed to hear that today. I love this line. This This is a line from a general. I think it was Patton. He said, a perfect plan violently executed now is better, or I'm sorry, a good plan perf- a good plan violently executed now is better than a perfect plan next week. I'm one of these people, I'm a tweaker. I always think I, I can just, I can get this thing right. Hold on, wait, 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 we can get it right. And he's saying, go at it with what you've got. And I need to hear that when it comes to clear focus. I'm better off acting on what I know now rather than waiting for perfect knowledge somewhere down the line. Then there's leave well. And for me, this line really works. It's by Dallas Willard. And he says, in the end, what God gets out of your ministry is you. I mean, a lot of pastors pray for all kinds of results in their ministry, and that's great. And he says, but don't you understand, in the end, what God gets is you. And I need to hear that and be reminded of that all the time. Now, i got to admit to you, there are always new lines, always new quotes, always new prayers, things that are coming my way, and I'm always trying to slip new ones in. These just came in the last couple of days. The spirit of thankfulness is nothing less than an acute sense of dependence. God, I'm dependent on you, and that's why I'm thankful. Or solitude is the place we wait for God in the midst of of the unfixable things in our lives. I love that line as well. So you can always be adding, always changing, always bringing in new prompts that bring clear focus into your life. Again, the movements of this transformative prayer, connect, come clean, clear focus. Now, I want to give you one more. We left off, give us this day our daily bread. Again, if you're looking at this, connect is our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Come clean, forgive us our sins, lead us not into temptation. Clear focus, your kingdom come, your will be done. Give us this day our daily bread comes naturally and easily. We don't have to be told to say, God, help. And so that really comes down to constant conversation. The rest of my day, once I know that I've spent time confessing to God, connecting with God, and gaining clear focus, now I'm ready to just lift up requests as they come. And so you call or you email a request, I'm able to pray for it on the spot. God brings things to my attention, I pray for those requests on the spot. But I want to make sure that I've done the other things first so that I'm really connected with God and not just bringing him a laundry list all the time. As we wrap this up, I want to encourage you again to take whatever you've learned during this series and modify it. Make it your own. Don't do something that I do. Uh, You've got to make it your own. You've got to make it work for you. And I go again with that line. A good plan violently executed now is better than a perfect plan next week. Stop trying to figure out what you're going to do as the perfect thing in prayer. Just start praying. Get connected with God. And again, if you want some further guidance on this, on December 7th, from 7 to 9 at the warehouse. We're going to have the time to talk through some practical tools. We had a spot for you to check that off on your card. Huh? 10th. Let's go with the 10th instead. The 9th will be at church. Um, so anyway, well, the only reason we're asking you to check that off is because we want to know how many materials to make up uh, to be able to hand to you and help you with that. Let's pray to God right now. Now, Father, I thank you so much. For reminding us that as we say these words, we've just walked into the presence of the living God. I pray that we will be connected with you. 
that we will never just be people that throw requests your way. That the relationship will matter more than anything else. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Our servers are going to come now and uh, give communion to us. The bread and cup are stacked together. Uh, Bread and juice are stacked together in two cups. And uh, as you're taking communion this morning, we'll be singing a song. But I'd encourage you to take some time again to reflect on the fleas in your life. And then maybe during this moment, say, God, thanks. Thanks so much.
now and uh, collect the offering. You can place your offering in the basket as well as your card. As they do, a um, couple of things for you. Uh, warehouse kids, be reminded that there's no high school warehouse tonight. Wednesday, things get back to normal. Junior high will be meeting, and uh, the, the theme of the night is Nerf. So it's going to be a Nerf war. Bring your Nerf guns. The place is going to be set up with a, a nice little battleground for you to be able to go ahead and, and Nerf it out. So make sure you bring your, your Nerf guns. And, you know, if you're not a junior hire but you like Nerfing, who knows, maybe we can sneak in and, yeah, that'll be fun. So this morning you're sitting here looking and you think, wow, Jason grew a lot of hair during the week. Uh, that is not the case. We're glad to welcome John Larson, who's playing on the drums today. In fact, uh, just going around here, you all know Dana. Um, Dana sings and plays, and, and Jeff plays bass for us, and we appreciate that. This is my daughter. Some of you don't know my daughter, Shelly. She's uh, studying math at ISU, and in fact, this past week did a little visit over to Joliet Central, where she'll be doing her, uh, her student teaching this coming winter. So kind of cool to drive over there and start to feel like a, a big adult. Isn't that fun? Woo-woo. And this is Trevor. And Trevor gives us reason again to look at that C.S. Lewis quote today and say, oh, I never want to get close to someone again. Trevor's internship is coming close to being done. Uh, he'll be wrapping up his time with us in December. And uh, this is something that we need to understand about internships. Internships don't last forever. They have a season. And when the season's done, they're done. So, uh, We've been very privileged. Moody, Moody Bible Institute has an arrangement that they have kids go out and do their practical Christian ministries at churches. They actually bent things a little bit for us so that he was able to come and, and play for us. And uh, we've actually kept him a little longer than we were supposed to. But we're glad that we got to keep him as long as we did. One of the things I encouraged Trevor on a long time ago is that when you're, when you're in college, in, uh, especially in Bible college, I think it's important to go out and get a number of experiences from a wide variety of places. Because, I mean, if you're like me, I've been here almost 18 years. You plant, you get into a place, and, and you get, don't get to know the variety of things that are out there. So Trevor's going to go experience some variety. We'll miss his guitar. We'll miss all the fun you brought to us. And we've got a few weeks, so make sure you go ahead and uh, get your goodbyes into him, and I'm sure he'll be back around from time to time. In the meantime, there will be a, a big hole sitting here waiting for a guitar. So um, I'm going to try learning over the next couple of weeks. <laughs> or if some of you have a, school, a skill that you've not yet shared, uh, we would love to talk to you and maybe get you up here and do some guitar playing. I suspect somewhere out there there's a screaming guitarist just waiting to emerge from a human body. So let's stand up and pray. Father God, I thank you so much for the privilege you give us of, of having relationships in our lives, our, our families and the friends that you bring in, in to, to influence us. God, the, the fact that we all don't like about this human experience is that those relationships, at least here on earth, uh, the forever factor is not there. Uh, we have a person who's a part of our life for a season, and then that is seated, season is done. One of the things I very much look forward to in heaven is no goodbyes. Uh, I'm tired of goodbyes, and I look forward to the day that we will be together forever and not have to say that word anymore. I'm grateful to you for the ministry that Trevor has brought to us, and really for the ministry that all of our worship leaders bring, for the way in which every week, they offer us the opportunity to enter into the presence of God. It's up to us to accept it. It's up to us to walk through that door. But I thank you that you've given us gifted people, but God, even more than that, people who have a heart for you and a heart for worshiping you and the fact that they open a door wide that we have the chance to walk through. We love you. We thank you so much for the, for the celebration you gave us this past week of being able to stop and thank you and I pray that that wouldn't just be a once-a-year event, but that every day we'd find ourselves walking in prayer and saying thank you again and again and again for the great things and for the fleas. In Jesus' name, amen. You have a great week. We'll see you.